What's up? This is Makad Brooks. I'm playing James the Bridge Olsen. That's right. And you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio. Super, 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 super girl radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season four episode of Supergirl titled American Dreamer. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, that was very on the nose, but we'll, we will dig into that and talk about all the Dreamer stuff of this episode. So uh, let's just get straight to it because we don't have any news this week. So here is the official description of American Dreamer. Quote, as Kara doggedly works as a reporter to clear Supergirl's name, Dreamer picks up the slack as National City's protector, which leads to a showdown with Ben Lockwood. James takes drastic measures to relieve... Is it relieve? Well, yeah, I guess it is relieve, but I guess it also could be relive. (laughs) I guess the description says relieve his PTSD, unquote. Uh, So, Morgan, lots of stuff happened in this episode. So much stuff. Very action-packed. Very uh, character-centric. But let's get to what's really important about this episode this week. (laughs) We have to talk about uh, what Kara found underneath a desk at Catco. We have to talk about the most important part of the episode, that uh, James is not the only one who lives under the desk at Catco. (laughs) We're discovering, we're peeling this back like layers of an onion. (laughs) I'm I'm concerned that James is starting a culture of living under the desk at Catco. (laughs) And I feel like that's like, that's not maybe a message he should be sending from the top. Like no matter how comfy it is under that desk, like that's not, that shouldn't be your home. But like (laughs) they see James doing it. They're like, look at him. He's so cool. And and he's got his stuff all together. And he lives under that desk. (laughs) So now the other employees are trying to just get a little piece of that American dream. (laughs) I like the idea that he has created a culture of sleeping under the desks at CatCo. And it's worth noting that Franklin really committed to the sleeping under the desk. He had some PJs on. He had a blanket. He was sleeping with a teddy bear, it looks like. He was brushing his teeth. He was prepared. And and you know what? You know how he knew to have all those things and to do all those things? Watching the boss. <laughs> I would like to think that James uh, has just, you know, great, maybe, maybe he's got, you know, really nice bed sheets, a really quality thick blanket for when it gets cold. I mean, you know, he's, he's really prepared down there under that desk. I mean, he's been there for a while now. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
<laughs> we can only assume that his under desk setup is pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> he has got all the quality uh, materials there that you would need for a good night's sleep. Uh, so we, we really shouldn't joke about it too much. Why Franklin was sleeping under the desk was very serious, but... It still should be acknowledged. <laughs> it was a very serious issue, but I I want to take this moment to to do my victory lap. Somebody slept <laughs> under the desk. <laughs> High fiving everyone. High fiving all the listeners. All right, and I'm back. <laughs> yes, very good. Uh, we finally have someone <laughs> sleeping under the desk. Confirmed. We did it. Listen, there are so many things that we want from this show that we're <laughs> never going to get. We're never going to get snapper snapping. I don't think we're ever going to get Director Bones. I feel pretty confident now that Turtle Boy Jimmy Olsen has also set sunset into the distance. <laughs> if I can take one thing, it is people sleeping under the desk. <laughs> it's all I've got now. <laughs> we will take it. So that was very exciting. We got lots of tweets from listeners about that. <laughs> I like that this has become our brand. <laughs> if this is the legacy of Supergirl Radio, I'm okay with it. I think we've done good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was exciting for us. Uh, so we appreciated that uh, from the writers. Don't know if they uh, listen to <laughs> Supergirl Radio, but uh, thank you anyway, If even if you don't. Uh, so let's get to talking about the the, the real meaty <laughs> content of this episode. Um, so Dreamer had a big introduction to not only National City, but uh, to the world through a global broadcast that I guess Cara Danvers can just set up <laughs> and uh, doesn't have to get it okayed by anybody. <laughs> so during this episode, I like my boyfriend and I were watching and I was just, I just turned to him and yelled, what is CatCo? <laughs> he was like, I don't know. It's a magazine. <laughs> like, which I, I just like that in this episode in which we got the very important scene of somebody sleeping under a desk. We also got another recognition that we have no idea what CatCo is or what it does or how it functions in this world. I just don't understand it. Who authorized the interview? And did it take over every station or something we see like everybody watching it as if they have no choice does catco have that kind of power to like just take over the u.s airway it was a global interview it wasn't just uh. the united states it went around <laughs> the world so my thought process behind that was so Kara was like okay dreamer we're gonna interview on global television then, then my question is, okay, well, does she have to get that cleared with somebody? Did she, she couldn't have gone to James, I guess, because he was <laughs> in his mind palace. So she couldn't have gone to him. Maybe she could have called up Kat and, and authorized it through there. Lena didn't seem to know what was going on and she owns Catco, right? <laughs> so my question is, and now I think that like, you know how before I was like, I need to know more about National City real estate. I feel like we're starting to dive into that in a really <laughs> exciting way for me. So now my newest thing, my newest boring thing that I need is the CatCo organizational chart. <laughs> yes. Because there must be yes. a level between James, who obviously is always there in most cases because he lives there, and, and Kara, who 
is never there because she doesn't show up for work. <laughs> like, what are the levels? Like, where are the mid the mid managers who are like, I just go to a lot of meetings <laughs> and talk about like like the stock performance and like what what I want I want a, just an overview of this company. Like, what are their different holdings? We know that they have a TV station and we know that they have a magazine, but sometimes I think that they have a daily newspaper. But no one will confirm this. So. <laughs> Just maybe just a chart of what CatCo is and then a separate chart of what everyone does there. Just like a nice org chart. Ooh, that would be so good. <laughs> I would like to know about their production uh, like yes, con- control they, room. They got they got that camera on site. Uh, toot sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know they've done this before where like when set up the camera for cat one time and they did a little speechy speech in cat's office with cat grant. So I know they've done this thing before, but I, somebody's got to be back there like doing the technical director, like switching <laughs> camera shots, like, you know, ready three, take three. Somebody's back there in a control room. Yeah. Who, who was that person? Who was that person who was like, had to get called up at like nine o'clock at night on like a Thursday <laughs> and like is now missing Grey's Anatomy to like do this, <laughs> this interview that they did with zero preparation. Like, I want to know their story, <laughs> but I, I also laughed a lot because last week's episode, we talked a lot about, like, (laughs) wouldn't this be a perfect time for Supergirl's go-to power move, which is take over the airwaves? And I like that, like, it took her, it took her a week, but she got there. (laughs) She was like, she's like, listen, I'm going to do my power move, but with a twist. (laughs) No one will see it coming if we get on the TV but it's not me, <laughs> but it is me because I'm interviewing you, but it's not. <laughs> and she's talking about hope. I had to like pause it briefly <laughs> when they started talking about hope because I was like, yes. I mean, if listen, you shouldn't do a Supergirl drinking game. I don't I don't encourage it. But if you were going to, that would be like bingo. That would be all the drinks. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I just I had real concerns about the production of this because <laughs> you t- you talk about the the technical director who had to be called up at nine o'clock at night for this interview and I can imagine him on the uh, him or her on the other side of the phone call going Cara Danvers who I've never seen her before <laughs> who is this person <laughs> you know our 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 most ace reporter who never shows up in the office well it made me laugh because her lower third on the the interview um shot of her like her close up and it had a lower third and it just said Cara Danvers on it not Cara <laughs> Danvers Catco magazine journalist it, or Cara Danvers you know uh news reporter or whatever it just said Cara Danvers and i just imagine the people at home going who is Cara Danvers? I I don't know. Maybe she's a big name now. Maybe she doesn't even need to be identified. But typically when you are supered um, on a news broadcast, you will be like Morgan Glennon, Supergirl Radio podcaster. Like you, exactly. you, will have, you will have something that tells the audience who you are. I mean, unless you're like Beyonce. Yes. Like, I think that like you would think that Cara Danvers is like Cara Danvers, Cat Co. reporter or something. But they're like, no, no, you know Cara Danvers. Yeah. You know her. <laughs> she's, she's a household <laughs> name at this point. You don't need to know. Listen, they, they know her everywhere. They know her on TV. They know her in prison. She's, uh, <laughs> she's really gotten around. <laughs> By doing uh, virtually no work. <laughs> Uh, she has made a name for herself. 
Oh man. Yeah, and and even down to the uh, the three cameras that Franklin was operating. I was really curious about how he did that because I have done multicam setups for little uh, wedding videography stuff that I have done for friends, you know, when they got married. And it is not easy to run three cameras by yourself. You are constantly going around. Maybe he had a robotic setup. Maybe he could uh, control it with remote, uh, like a remote control. But he... uh, I don't know how he did that. It was uh, mind-boggling <laughs> to me that he ran three cameras by himself. And then I laughed. This is really nitpicky, but I was really interested in this production setup just because I have done this stuff. So then when they get the interview started, and it's it's so hopeful and inspirational around the world, and then all of a sudden there are like four people who come up into the lobby behind Franklin to just watch the interview. And I, I kept thinking, if I was Franklin, I would make these people man a camera get get them behind get them behind a camera get to work and, you know help me out with this listen you work here at whatever this company is yeah you should be doing something so i was very concerned about franklin and his three camera setup that he he was doing by himself but you know what he pulled it off very flawlessly with, uh, I guess, a production control room operating uh, things behind the scenes. But yeah, I would like to, if if you get your organizational chart, I want to know more about the control room. I want to know how they're doing these these interviews. Uh, So that was uh, very funny to me. Um, But so let's let's get into the dreamer aspect of it, I guess. So what what did you think about dreamer in this this interview and in this episode? I really like dreamer in this episode. I thought that uh, I've I thought all season that she has been really like one of the best parts of this season and her progression uh, has been really interesting and fun to watch. And I, I really liked her having to do the hero thing kind of solo for the first time. Like she's been mentored by um, by Supergirl um, when, it, when it comes to uh, superheroing, not so much Kara when it comes to you know, work. Although I feel like she has started to develop Kara's work habits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when's the last time she's been in the office? But uh, <laughs> but I, I really liked seeing her sort of like go out there and start fighting, um, fighting the good fight while Supergirl is out of commission. Um, I I did question. I was like, wow, she's she's got like a lot of powers now, and I feel like those came out of kind of nowhere. Like we didn't get like a lot of development of those power. I was like, Oh, she can like, she's got like a little like whip thing now. And she's got those like power stuff from her hands. And did, did, uh, did we, uh, did I miss this where this is like, I, I feel like there was one episode where she was like, Ooh, I can make energy. And now she's like, ha ha. <laughs> now I can do live wire lassos. Yes. Now I can do anything I want. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> someone's been training off screen. <laughs> yeah. I think it goes back to that episode when she is training in the fortress with Brainy. But I, I too was like, well, so she can do all this stuff and she has uh, apparently no weakness, at least with the, dr- <laughs> the with the dreaming precognition stuff. She has a weakness that she has to <laughs> go to sleep and take a nap in order for her power to work. But here, when she can just do energy blasts and do all this cool stuff, she has no weakness. I feel like they ramped her up from like 
like training to like full scale superhero doing doing the thing uh, a little too fast. Like I feel like we needed some transition episodes where she was like just learning how to do her like energy blast stuff and like maybe messing up and maybe like energy blasting like the wrong thing or like I feel like we went from okay she's in the fortress she's training to now she knows how to do it all and look at her cool outfit and I was like uh, I really wanted those in between like those in between episodes because even in the beginning of Supergirl we had a couple episodes where you know Car is first getting up to speed in Supergirl where you know she's trying to help people but she's also kind of making things bad like <laughs> I think there are a couple episodes where she's like just trying but messing up and i feel like we needed a couple of those for dreamer where she's not just a super superhero right off the bat because i think that's for me at least it's a little less interesting i want to see her journey and i feel like we've got done they've done such a good job at showing us her journey all season and now suddenly she's a very competent superhero yeah i i know why they've done this because they need someone to step in while supergirl is not able to and Martian Manhunter is is off on to Oz <laughs> so he can't do any I mean he he came back at the end of this episode but he was out Supergirl's out so they needed somebody so they had to speed up her progression but I, I'm with you like a couple, maybe an episode of her maybe trying to get it together and not doing so well I, I think that would have helped lend a little credibility to seeing her use her powers when she does them really well. Uh, so this this episode, yeah, it was kind of strange. I, th- I think seeing her powers, you know, so expertly done and she was in such control of them, it was like, oh. Yeah, she was she was crushing it this episode. And I feel like I would have been, I feel like it would also have been like a more triumphant moment if we had seen her struggle with it. To, see, to then see her, like, if we had gotten a couple episodes ago, you know, her struggling with like, oh, I don't, how do I do these power blasts? And like, uh, oh, no, like, I can't get them to work. And then to have her in this episode where she has to sort of take over the supergirl like superheroing duties to do it so well that I would have been like yeah as it was I was just like whoa she can do that too yeah and it would have <laughs> been nice to see supergirl helping her with those powers we, we, <laughs> yeah. we saw a little bit of it but not very much and I feel like I feel like in the beginning of the season we were kind of promised a bill of goods that we did not get which was the idea that supergirl was going to be uh, Dreamer's like primary superhero mentor, and instead, I feel like Brainy has more or less yes. been her superhero mentor, which I don't like. I don't mind it. I like her and Brainy. I think they're they've got a really funny chemistry and dynamic, and I always love their scenes together. But at the same time, like I want to see Supergirl mentor dreamer this is a show about supergirl i want to see supergirl you know taking on that mentorship role and what does that mean to her and does she feel ready for it and that kind of stuff i want to dig into that stuff and i feel like we were kind of we kind of didn't get that because as soon as she kind of became a superhero she kind of her story kind of got foisted off onto Brainy being the one who's like, here's a bunch of ideas for superhero costumes and let's take you to the Fortress of Solitude and like all of those kind of training sequences I thought we were going to get between, you know, Kara and uh, and Nia sort of became more Nia and Brainy scenes. Yeah, and I understand why they did that because of Brainy's history with Dream Girl. He would know more about her abilities about Nia's abilities than she would. That makes sense. 
But I'm with you. I was looking forward to Supergirl uh, mentoring Dreamer in the superhero realm and then Kara mentoring Nia in the journalistic reporter realm. <laughs> I would, I, I mean, I guess maybe we have seen that with the donut eating and the taking naps at work. <laughs> I think, I think she did mentor her, unfortunately. I mean, we've seen a little bit of it, but I don't think it's been very consistent. And that's, that's what I think is unfortunate about uh, what they think they're doing as opposed to what what they're actually doing and i think it's one of the problems is like um i guess i would call it like storyline bloat like there's just so many different things happening and this is a problem i would say in supergirl overall just in general this is not a new season four problem but there's so much stuff going on that sometimes they lose the thread on certain storylines so they'll be really heavy in some episodes and then they'll just sort of disappear for chunks of time. Like, uh, like remembering that Alex doesn't remember the secret is not, doesn't seem like it's much of a big deal anymore at all. It's just kind of the new status quo, which I was surprised. Which I continue to be surprised about that. It's not a bigger deal to anybody, but like, I feel like they kind of, they kind of get away from certain stories and then come back to them. Uh, and I would rather see them sort of build up on stuff. Yeah. You know, they have they have all that stuff going on with, like, Lena and James. And they've got, you know, Lex over in some corner. And they've got the Children of Liberty are still around. And somewhere <laughs> out there, uh, Russia, <laughs> somewhere out there, Cosney and Supergirl is, like, probably punching a rock again <laughs> for a while. Like, there's just, there's so many storylines going on that, like, when you think it's the Jeremiah Danvers situation, like, Remember how Alex really wanted a, a baby because she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of feel like it was like it's a little bit of the same thing with that where it's like we get a little bit of it, like enough to have it say like, well, yeah, that was a storyline this season. But then it kind of drops and then it picks back up and then maybe it'll drop again. So I, I just kind of wish that we had more consistent building on that like mentorship relationship between those two women. The show does tend to have too much going on and I think it would uh, benefit them to uh, condense things, make things, make stories a little smaller, focus on the characters and, and not try to just throw too much in there. And sometimes I think the Dreamer stuff has been like that, where, you know, Nia has had some good moments where she uh, does some small things to help out, and that's nice. And I'm glad that there is an episode that featured Dreamer, but sometimes it feels like there's too many superheroes now on the show. It was one thing to have Supergirl and Martian Manhunter when uh, when uh, Jean was at the DEO, because he wasn't Martian Manhunter all the time. So then when he was Martian Manhunter, it was fun to see him flying around with Supergirl. But now there are three of them who can <laughs> do things, and I feel like Supergirl gets a little lost in that. Well, yeah, and well, now James has, like, super oh my gosh, abilities, yes. which, I mean, ugh. I, I don't. I I didn't feel po- positively that we get. Jam- we now have a superpowered James who is not Turtle Boy. Uh, that's the only acceptable way that the story could have played out in my mind. So you're right. Like she's. It's she. What is making her stand out in her own show? Sometimes I mean I think we we talk about this a little bit. Um, you know, every season that you know eventually it feels like there's eventually a point in the season where I think like what's what's supergirl been up to like what's her arc what is like her deal and i I, i'm always a little disappointed that that 
seems to always kind of happen because it's her show. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very unfortunate. And I, I guess, you know, I, I could say some things about Dreamer. I, I did like uh, Dreamer helping people and, and saving the day. And she did say a lot of, I guess, inspirational things in that interview. But if I'm going to be honest with you, and I always try to be, uh, I thought the little speech she gave in the interview was a little cringy. I, I, for me, that kind of stuff, when you try to foist and like throw hope on somebody just by saying hope, you know, and just by uh, saying, I'm going to inspire you, we, we need to inspire hope to people that, that doesn't, that doesn't inspire hope in me hope is something and this is this is a long long-winded thing and i think i talked about this at the end of season one when supergirl literally got on the the, the tv broadcast and she was like hope 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 <laughs> uh, she said it seven times i counted um <laughs> so so those kinds of things don't affect maybe i'm a cold-hearted uh ice queen maybe i am i don't know but i think that hope is better when you actually demonstrate it and i thought it would have worked better for them if they wanted a hero to inspire hope on the show i thought it would have been a cool interaction and a, a cool way to show it if you if you saw kara when she was working with edna and Kara putting herself on the line, and Edna saw Kara's example, and then she was like, okay, now I will help you because of what you did for me, or something something like that. So to see Dreamer just be like getting on the camera and uh, saying some inspirational things, that to me is almost a false sense of hope, uh, because she's not, maybe she's putting her, maybe maybe I'm, I'm being too hard on this. Maybe she is putting herself out there. Maybe she, you know, putting herself out there as both an alien and a human is a, an example to the world to see. But at the same time, we only saw her affecting aliens for the most part or alien already friendly people like Lena. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting to see somebody who's maybe on the opposite side of that, like watching the broadcast and being moved or inspired in some way. I think, I think that the, and I agree, like, you know, obviously she's like hope, hope, uh, which is, uh, you know, obviously we are seeing some of the mentorship <laughs> of Kara <laughs> because she mentioned hope. Um, but I think the idea is sort of to be out there and to be visible in a time where it's not convenient or it's maybe even dangerous to be visible as as what she is and sort of the bravery of that of of coming and being like this is who I am and I'm I'm not ashamed of it and I'm proud of it is sort of what inspired other people to like make the decisions that they did. I will say it was heavy handed though. Yeah, and I guess there is something to be said about how at the end of the episode we see George Lockwood and he he seems to have changed his mind about some things. He contacts his friend Charlie, who he finds out is an alien. So there does seem to be uh, a, a change that comes about from this. I can't remember if George actually watches the interview or not. I think it, I think he just sends that text uh, because he he finds out about what happens with Charlie. I can't remember if he was watching the interview either. But I think it would have been very impactful if. 
we had seen him watching the interview and then like maybe sending the text of being like moved by this person who's willing to like kind of come out of the shadows and be like, well, here's me. Yeah, I I think that would have done a little bit better. But then I also still have a problem with how one sided this storyline feels, because the only time we get a perspective on the human side of things is through the Children of Liberty. We don't get to see any other human uh, perspectives on that any other there's because I, I i think there's got to be a human side of it that says hey we don't like alien invasions but these aliens who work at the at the store with me they're cool i'm cool i'm chill with them so there's there's got to be some middle ground that happens there and maybe they're trying to get middle ground through dreamer but i think it would also be impactful if they got a middle ground through the human perspective as well so I, it, it, it bothers me that there's only this one side of the story being told, really, and all of the people on the other side are being demonized and put in the Children of Liberty category. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see, like, well, where is the, where is the human that is opening up their uh, bar and, like, letting, you know, letting aliens go there, you know, or the human who is helping out the aliens and, and like, let, like, listening to their side of the story, like... You're right. It's very, it's very like these people, the, we're only seeing the children of liberty side, which ugh, no one cares about their side. <laughs> or even the alien side where someone acknowledges, hey, you know what? We don't like those alien invasions either. We're not into that. We want to be part of your culture and your country, and we want to just live with you. We don't want to take over. Our property values are also plummeting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as, a, as a small business owner. <laughs> I think that would go a long way. The National City Real Estate is what's going to bring everyone together. I think so. I mean, what they really should have gotten is like a real estate agent who just comes out and is like, listen, we're all in this together, guys. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing you got to do is invasion-proof your house. (laughs) I think we uh, just solved world peace, Morgan. I think we we did. I think we did. We did it. We we get that real estate agent and we get the CatCo organizational chart (laughs) and we're golden. (laughs) So, yeah. As much as I liked most of the Dreamer stuff in this episode, I think the interview could have ha- be handled a lot better. I Poor Franklin had to run all those cameras by himself. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I know what they were going for, but some of it really bothered me. And I wish they had uh, focused on some other things instead. But I, I see what they're going for. And I, I, I totally get it. And, and they said what they wanted to say. So... I have to respect that. Can I also say that, like, in the dreamer stuff, I really, I really, really appreciated the amount of sleep and dream puns that she put into every sentence. Uh, dreamer living the best life. <laughs> she says, I'm your worst nightmare. And then she says, sweet dreams. And then she yep. she writes Sleeping Beauty on, on some alien harasser's forehead. She says, someone needs to make Lockwood go nighty, night, night. <laughs> that, was the, that was the moment that I could not stop laughing. <laughs> and she asks, isn't it past your bedtime? And then she even says, uh, this one was really... I mean, really well crafted, I think, really going for the the real classy version of the sleep pun. She says, you're going to have to go through this reverie first. Yeah, that was the one where I was like, ooh, deep cut. I mean, (laughs) you're almost borderline speaking French at that point. She takes her sleep pun seriously, and I appreciate that. 
Um, so since we talked a little bit about uh, Kara and her uh, her broadcasting skills, I guess now she is a TV interviewer. Uh, so I, I thought maybe she was just a, a, a reporter who wrote editorials, but now she is interviewing people on national, uh, gl- worldwide uh, exclusive broadcasts. Uh, so what did you think about Kara as a journalist in this episode? Wow. I mean, she was doing journalism. It was <laughs> I I was really thrown off by like what was happening and I was very confused for a while. I was like, what she's like she's putting things on a board and she's connecting it. I, I don't understand what you're doing. She went like full like scandal. She was like, you know, writing on the <laughs> see-through <laughs> board and I was like, whoa. Uh I really you know what I really enjoyed car you know really getting in there and being an investigative reporter and like following on the money trail and figuring out what this how this thing connects to this other thing and finding a source and talking to that source and it was it was really exciting actually i think to watch she gets about one journalism episode per season um Sometimes, sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, so I'm always excited to see when we get to see her do like actual legwork. I think it's a lot more interesting than like when she writes an op-ed about herself, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is, let's be honest, a big portion of what she seems to do at CatCo, whatever CatCo is. Um, so I, you know, I really liked, I really liked watching her like, really get in there and like do the work and like track people down and talk to people and, and look at financial documents and like make connections. Um, and I thought that I, I really liked the interaction and the interplay between Kara and Lena. And I liked that. I liked that Lena called her out and was like, where have you been? Like <laughs> you are a terrible friend right now. Like, cause if you think about it, like Kara was even ducking out to the best of everybody's knowledge, who doesn't know the secret for no apparent reason. Kara was like ducking out when like James was dying. Yes. So I feel like Lena's probably like, what is going on with her? She is a monster right now. She's just like so self-centered and Car doesn't have any way to tell her, like, actually, I've seen you tons uh, <laughs> because I'm Supergirl because the <laughs> show won't let her for no reason. So I thought it was nice to sort of see that dynamic play out because it's easy to forget that Lena doesn't know the secret because we've seen a lot of Lena and Supergirl like teaming up and working together. And so it becomes a little bit easy to to be like, oh, yeah, of course, Car, you know. Car and Lena see each other all the time, but not to Lena's opinion, they don't. Uh, so I, I really, I really liked that. And then at the end of the episode, when Lena comes clean about her big secret that she's been working with Lex, I thought that was such a great emotional moment, and Katie McGraw did such a good job with it. And obviously, Lena is is my fave now and forever, so I'm a little bit biased, but that moment I thought between those two was really strong and really powerful, and it also made me a little bit mad because if there was ever a better opportunity to tell Lena that that would be without any serious repercussions, that is your moment. Like (laughs) she just told you a big secret that she feels really guilty about having kept from you. And guess what? You have one of those too. And there's no reason at all on earth why you wouldn't tell her this you've been working together with her as supergirl for months now like i just it, every time that 
the her not knowing the secret becomes kind of like a, a like this thing in the episode. It takes me out of the show because I feel like they, if they're never going to tell her the secret, they need to come up with some better reason why it's not happening. Because right now, it's there's no reason why she wouldn't tell Lena the secret. Lena has only proven herself to be uh, super smart and uh, and the person that you go to in a crisis. Uh, so why, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you tell her? Nia knows. You just met Nia two minutes ago. (laughs) I just, oh, it drives me so crazy. But I did like that. I did like the, uh, all the scenes with Lena and Cara and and getting to see their friendship and getting to see that, you know, it, there were some bumps there and that Lena was mad, I think justifiably so. And, uh, and getting to see her sort of open up and, uh, and come clean about, trying to save her brother's life even though it turned out that was maybe a mistake (laughs) yeah after confessing that she worked with lex and that she contacted lex four months ago and he knew about the hair and nail and knew lena had it and and that uh she helped lex because he had cancer and was afraid to die and that even though all this bad stuff was happening she helped him because he's her brother uh cara after all that cara says to lena I'm so sorry you felt like you couldn't tell me. And, uh, uh, <laughs> and then I threw myself off the couch and cried. <laughs> Can't imagine why she'd feel that way. <laughs> it was such a pointed uh, line of dialogue. And I, I, I think a, a well-written line of dialogue because Kara feels like she can't tell Lena her secret even though to your point Lena has proven herself to be a good friend to be somebody who you can be vulnerable with because she has shown vulnerability I mean she let it all out with Kara she she um you know confessed that she thought she was weak and that she had done all these things that Kara might think were uh, were these things were bad and Kara even seems taken aback a little bit and kind of shocked at what Lena's telling her. But she, you know, because of Lena opening up to Kara, Kara forgives her and Kara hugs her and, you know, tell her that, tells her that she's not weak. And I just, I think that's really unfair for Kara to have Lena be that vulnerable with her, but Kara never repaying that. And, and I, I, I just... Sometimes sometimes with those kinds of things, Kara is my favorite character, but sometimes that really does frustrate me with Kara because even Kara says, you know, friendship is the most important job. Well, if you're really <laughs> concerned about being friends with Lena, that kind of stuff is important. Telling each other those kinds of things, being open about that kind of stuff, and maybe telling her the b- biggest secret of your life would be something that you would tell her after she confesses all these terrible things. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like they just haven't earned any reason why she wouldn't tell her. Like there it Lena has been maybe a little bit morally gray at times, but she's always doing what she thinks is right and like she's not, you know, she's not Lex Luthor. She's not <laughs> doing anything evil. Um, you know, she science murdered a guy once, but he signed a consent form. At least Lena doesn't have a burn book about Supergirl's tiny, tiny brain. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, it could be worse. Uh, so th- I just feel like there's no reason. Yeah, I think if if they made it so that Lena hated Supergirl, I could understand why Kara. Oh, I could understand more of why Kara didn't want to tell her. But because Supergirl and Lena get along pretty well now, there's no reason why she couldn't tell Lena at this point 
Uh, so, yeah, the the only justification I would buy is if Lena hated Supergirl and they were like sworn enemies. Then I would get it. Yeah, they 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 have snipped at each other a couple of times <laughs> They're Maybe they're like on a frenemy level, <laughs> but they seem pretty chill with each other for the most part. So there's really no reason. <laughs> I mean, this is the perfect time that Lena and Supergirl are getting along really well. This is the perfect time to tell her. Um, but I, I I know I'm being hard on Kara, but at least in this episode, she realized that Lena's friendship was really important to her, and she admitted that she was not being a good friend. I really liked her her line where she says, you know, I've been so myopic. I think I've made things worse. And she even says, I've been a terrible friend to Lena. I was glad that Kara had the humility to confess that she was not being a great friend and that she could be better at it. So I, I liked that out of Kara, even though I'm I'm with you. There's there's no reason at this point why she can't tell Lena. Um so that is a little bit frustrating on that that level of Kara in this episode. But the great thing about Kara in this episode for me was the reporter stuff. This is everything I've been harping on for like seasons now is that I want to see Kara actually getting the story doing the work, making connections with people and and you know bonding and connecting with a source or someone on the case that she meets on a personal level. That is something I've wanted to see many times and that's like I would watch every episode like I wish that was every episode where she was doing that kind of stuff uh, because I think that's really important to to help us understand what she does in her job and what she is doing as a reporter and as as Kara, because I think the Kara side of her is so important, just as important as the Supergirl stuff. And so I really liked getting to see Kara connecting the docs. Uh, uh, I was going to say her her notes look like my Google Docs, and then I wanted to say (laughs) connecting the dots at the same time. And then I said connecting the docs. (laughs) Um, but her, she was going after the truth. She was connecting those dots. She was, um, going, you know, with a source to actually investigate things, going through the files, going through the folders. Um, and I know that's, that seems really simple, but that goes a long way. It's, it's not just, oh, hey, at the end of the episode, I announced that I wrote an article about, you know, a puff piece on aliens. (laughs) From the perspective of Supergirl, (laughs) I got an exclusive interview with myself. I feel like a lot of what she gets is, uh, I mean, this is very like old school comic booky, but a lot of what she gets is exclusive interviews with herself, which is like kind of the laziest form of journalism. (laughs) Uh, What what did you say, myself? Uh, Oh, yes. Children of Liberty are bad. (laughs) But but she was actually uh, going through through, you know, uh, I guess, bank records and and, um, uh, withdrawals. And she was following the money and she was getting information from somebody. And I even liked how Lena and Kara were working on it together. I thought that that was great, especially when Lex Luthor is concerned. You need a Luthor to get that Luthor perspective. And that really came in handy, uh, especially with that Sebastian Melmoth stuff and, and connecting those dots. That's something that Kara would not have been ever been able to figure out. But Lena knew uh, about that. And so I, I really... I I know I don't want to like put my hopes and dreams on things that I don't have anything, you know, I don't have control of the show. So I don't want to, I don't want to have like a wish list going into the, the end of the season, but 
I hope we get to see more of Kara and Lena investigating Lex together. We've seen a little bit of Supergirl and Lena doing some things, but I would really love it if, if Kara and Lena did stuff together. And so I, I think that's a really uh, cool way to go about it, especially when uh, Kara is seeking out the truth about Lex Luthor. So I am very excited to see where that goes. And so I appreciated that they gave us so much of reporter Kara in this episode. I really buy it when they do that kind of uh, that that um, that real deep dive into getting to see her actually doing her job. That goes a long way with me. So I, I appreciated that. All right. Well, we kind of touched on it a little bit uh, in speaking about James and his newfound Kryptonian powers. Uh. (laughs) But this episode wasn't so much focused on the powers as much as it was about how the um, the powers are affecting his mind and his memories. So, uh, Morgan, what did you think about him uh, taking a trip into his mind palace? I thought it was uh, I mean, I thought it was interesting. It's we don't get a ton of James um, like character, really character stuff. Uh, all that often. So it's nice when we do get to really dive into James and this is about his, his past and uh, like a really traumatic thing that happened to him, um, which was honestly horrible. I was like, I cannot believe that's what happened to him. Like Tim, um, it's bad enough that you're, you know, you're young and you're having to go to your father's funeral, but then to be trapped in a coffin, Mm. That I was like, well, yeah, I would, I would pretend something different happened to me too, and then come to believe it. Uh, so I thought that that was really interesting. I don't like the idea of James having powers. I think that there's now there's so many people on this show who have powers. Does James really have to have the same powers as as Supergirl on a Supergirl show? That doesn't feel necessary. But okay, I mean, we could have had it all. We could have had Turtle Boy. <laughs> but instead, we've got this. That's fine, I guess. <laughs> I, I did think it was like a good, um, it was a good way to get to know Kelly a little bit better and to have Kelly kind of be more vulnerable and uh, a little bit less um, together. Because I think we've only ever really seen her being very like no nonsense um, but in this episode, she was clearly very shaken by something very traumatic that had happened to her as well in her childhood. So I think it was really nice to see the the connection between the siblings. Yeah, I, I thought the Kelly bits of it when she actually decides to go into the Mind Palace and help James. I thought that was a great uh, moment to have James and Kelly connect as brother and sister. And I think that that was really needed for their relationship on the show because they did start off a little bit cold with each other. And now I think that they have learned some things about each other and uh, gotten over the the distance that was keeping them apart. I think the idea from Kelly is that maybe she was a little distant from James because she felt abandoned at the funeral. And now her knowing that James couldn't help it and he tried to be there, he wanted to be there, I think it makes things different for Kelly. Um, and uh, so I, I liked getting to see more of James's backstory and especially digging into stuff with his father. We've heard a lot about his father. His father's camera is what created Guardian. So uh, his father is a big deal and his the death of his father is his core trauma. And so I, I liked getting to see 
that I was actually pretty in, engaged in the James part of this episode. And I wish the show, I, I guess I say this all the time with James, is that I wish we got to see more character stuff from him. Uh, I, was, mm-hmm. I, I would pick character backstory and uh, character beats over Kryptonian powers every day of the week. I feel like the show just like really doesn't understand what <laughs> what you and I want from this character <laughs> because it feels like every time like we start to get, we'll get something good with him he'll gain some exciting new ability or something like we didn't specifically want him to be guardian and then he was guardian and now <laughs> we just want more character stuff with him and now he's got uh, Kryptonian superpowers it's like just because i want to see more james doesn't mean i want him to just keep getting more and more powerful (laughs) yeah it is uh it is very strange and even if you were going to give him powers and you didn't want to go the turtle boy route i would have taken elastic lad i would have been into that i mean they've got what's his face over on the flash what is his face i'm blanking on his face now uh it's the stretchy guy what is his name? Why am I forgetting it? I can't remember it either. This is going to bother me. I have to look this up now. Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> this is Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Hang on. Hang on. We're going to get this. We are going to get this. Elongated man. Ah, there we go. I always get Elastic Lad and Elongated Man and Plastic Man confused. Don't sue me. It's just a thing. All the stretchy people, I don't know. They kind of... They're kind of saming to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I would agree with you that the the character stuff is what I want to see more often from James. Because I think Jimmy Olsen works best as a character when he's just, even though we love the turtle boy aspect and we would love to see a turtle boy aspect of the, of the character, he's best as a, a an everyman. He's best as just a human guy who does what he can to to help out and save the day. So I think they've kind of lost the plot with James uh, yeah. Olsen here on the show. And uh, I, But maybe maybe they've got something cooking with these Kryptonian powers. I don't know. But it seems like now that he's gone through his core trauma, uh, the, the powers are kind of more under control. Because uh, we found out he has heat vision. That he now now he can fly, oh no! So uh, he can sort of hover now. So he's got all of Car's powers. Yeah, that's super. <laughs> uh, I just realized that that was a a pun. Yeah, I feel like Dreamer would be proud of me right now. Dreamer would be jealous of that solid pun. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess we kind of talked about the George Lockwood stuff and how he turned a little bit of a corner with the aliens in this episode, but his father, though, had something pretty traumatic happen at the end of the episode. So what do, what do you think is going to happen with old uh, Agent Liberty slash Ben Lockwood now that his wife is, has seemingly been murdered? Uh, I don't think it's good for anyone. Uh <laughs> I mean, he was really, really cranky before, um, so he's going to be super cranky now. Um, I don't think he's going to be pleasant to be around. I wonder what this is going to what this is going to mean for 
George more than what it's going to mean for Ben because George, it felt like, was just starting to take a turn where it's like, hey, maybe, you know, just uh, just going in the straight up Nazi direction is not the way we want to go. Like, uh, maybe I'm going to take off this armband and uh, and get out. But but then his mom got killed. So I feel like that could maybe change his mind. But uh, I mean, Ben was kind of a lot. It kind of felt like Ben was a lost cause. And I feel like he's now he's totally a lost cause. Like, I think he's going to go to some pretty dark places now. And he'd already been in a pretty dark place, which is just rounding aliens up for thought crimes. So I don't know how you go much darker than like where he, he already was in this episode. Yeah. Because the murder of Lydia Lockwood comes at the hands of an alien, Mm -hmm. the alien that Ben Lockwood had approached earlier in the episode where he tells that female alien that he would hate for her children to lose their mother too. That comes back to bite him because then George ends up losing his mother. Uh, so to see that a- that same alien come back and murder a human like that, that is not going to be good for anybody. And that's that's why I keep harping on the the balance of the perspectives because the we're not seeing any aliens step up and try to help the humans. Does that make any sense? Like. Now, now we're seeing an alien who we've most of what we see from aliens are and in their interaction with the humans in particular is that they have caused big uh, invasions of the planet. They're, you know, murdering people. They're doing all this stuff. But there you don't see some of these. I mean, I guess maybe earlier in the season, we got like that scientist alien who just wanted to do his job and help out with medical stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we've seen a lot of like small tiny aliens that are like not tiny in stature although uh, tiny aliens would be adorable uh but we've (laughs) we've seen um a lot of like small parts of where like an alien just like you know working a nine to five just trying to load a truck and being like oh god not these people uh but i don't think that we've seen like a lot of like you know, we we see Franklin and Catco, and like he's obviously he's got some human co-workers and I feel like it would be nice to see aliens like that and humans and how they sort of interact and how they kind of talk to each other. I do feel like we're missing some of that. Like alien, there are a lot of aliens now on the planet. Apparently there always have been. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's so Amadei. Uh, <laughs> but, but, so I feel like we should have a better idea of like, you know, how these people are interacting with the humans. And I feel like it's, yeah, we, we don't, we're, we're seeing a lot of, it feels like a lot of the really extreme ends and like, where are the people who are sort of uh, just uh, trying to get through their day? And like, you know, here's my alien, you know, post office worker or something. And like, uh, he always gives me the mail and gives my dog a cookie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've seen Mackenzie be being nasty to Franklin at Catco. But what about those coworkers who are like high fiving him in the hall and w- wanting to ask him about the, the game last night or whatever? You know, he's got some co some human coworkers who think he's a cool guy. Well, where's Franklin's fantasy football team? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's what I, that's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah. So I think that kind of stuff would go a long way if if they if they flip their perspective and try to have maybe those people at at the bar and they're like, oh, yeah, Dreamer said, you know, we're the dawn or whatever she said. 
uh, you know, let's go out and show the humans that we that we can reach out to them and, and be peaceful. We're not all like those bad aliens who come in and do all these invasions. Let's do let's do some outreach in the community. I don't know. I, maybe that's idealistic, but I think that would go a long way for me to understand the what what's going on here and really buy it because everything is just so as you said everything is on the extremes you're either good or bad and there doesn't seem to be anything in the middle so i i I wish that was something that they leaned on a little bit more yeah uh shocking there's not a lot of nuance (laughs) (laughs) oh supergirl (laughs) yeah that is uh that is the the case unfortunately um but uh so let's wrap it up on our overall thoughts Uh, so what did you think about uh this week's episode american dreamer uh, and I guess we should mention we we really should mention that this episode we was directed <laughs> was directed by our own Martian Manhunter, Mr. David Harewood. So, what did you think about his uh, directing of this episode? I thought it was very well directed. Good job, David Harewood. Uh, <laughs> some really some really cool shots. I liked um I liked a lot of the shots where he had Kara um trying to you know piece things together and standing in front of that wall and writing names out really, really fast. And like, I thought that was cool. I thought that the, um, the scene between Kara and Lena on the, the balcony was actually like very well done and like very emotional. And we got like a lot of good close up shots and really bring us into the emotion of those scenes. I thought he did a really good job. Um, and some of that stuff is probably, especially like the, uh, superhero dreamer stuff was like for a, I don't know if this is his first time directing, but I would imagine like having to do a lot of like CGI heavy stuff is probably not that easy. And I think he did a a really nice job with it. Yeah, I thought he did a great job with showing Kara's powers, especially because there was a lot of super speed in this episode. And I was eating that up anytime she was super writing on the board or super flipping through the the folders (laughs) and the files. And she she was whipping past those Children of Liberty guys and Catco. And I really enjoyed that because super speed is a power that doesn't get as much love as it should on this show. And I was just very thrilled to see it. So thank you, David Harewood. I don't know if that was a you thing or if that was written into the script, but I appreciated how you went about doing that uh, because I, I thought her powers were were on display to great effect. The only qualms I have with this episode are really just the uh, the writing. I think uh, it really bothered me that there were three endings to this episode it almost it almost felt like i was watching uh return of the king the peter jackson return of the king I was, movie I was about to be, it, they totally lord of the rings uh ending this this episode it was so frustrating every time you thought it was over there was another thing <laughs> You're like, oh okay cool yeah there was a there was a line from Kara where she she goes guess we're going to Kaznia. And I was like, ooh, that's going to be a great way to go out the episode. Nope, that was not how they ended the episode. Nope, that was not it. Then they cut to uh, finding out that Lockwood, uh, you know, sees his dead wife on the floor and he does that big scream. And I was like, okay, that's a, that's a way you could go out. That's great. Nope, that wasn't it. Then we had to go to the de- the desert of Ta'az. And then uh, Martian Manhunter, uh, Manhunter uh, encounters... Uh, Marin, uh, and you know, hands over the the sacred symbols, and that was just that was. So, I have to be honest, that was a weak ending. That was just a really weak way to end an episode. If you had done the first two, one of the first two with the guess we're going to Casnia or the Lockwood scream, 
those would have been stronger ways to end the episode because it would have lend it would have uh, lended itself into uh, more of a tying into the next episode. Both of those endings, like the the murder and the Kaznia thing, are both very like dun 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 yes. kind of endings. And then and then to end on like Martian Manhunter being like, all right. Back to Earth. <laughs> it was a little bit of a like, a womp, womp. Like, uh, you had me all pumped up and then you brought me down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think about like great episode endings. Uh, and I know, I know we talk about it all the time because it's one of my favorite shows, but Lost was the master at those kinds of endings where it would be like something shocking and then you would get the logo that pops up and it would be like that, you know, that uh, trombone sound that would come on. <laughs> yeah. And it would be like, yeah. oh no in the hatch but if you had ended on guess we're going to Kaznia and then the next episode is Lena and Kara in Kaznia you know doing stuff that would have been really cool or even the Lockwood stuff it just would have uh, it would have been a stronger ending so I don't know if that's a directorial thing or if that was a writing thing but I do think that that was the weakest part of the episode for me is that it didn't have a strong ending yeah I agree and and like you said they had strong endings right there they had two different options for strong endings so yeah I mean let's go to I guess we're going to Kaznia would have been like an amazing ending. It was such a good line. Such a good line. And then we just continued. <laughs> and that could have been solved by flipping the scene choice, like mm-hmm. the, the scene placement. You could have put the Desert of Ta'az. Uh, maybe I would have, I don't know, because the, the Kaznia thing is a good, uh, so maybe, I, maybe you could have done the Desert of Ta'az then the guests were going to Kaznia, and then the Lockwood scream to end it. The, that could have been a, a good uh, scene um, sequence there. I don't know. You could have played with that. So I think there was something that got lost in the editing of this episode. Uh, so I think that you could have played with that and made a much stronger episode, in my opinion. So uh, that was, a, a, I guess that's kind of a downer way to end our discussion. <laughs> but I felt like that needed to be said. We we also stand trombone the ending of our discussion. <laughs> <laughs> we should have went out on a high note, but yet. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's fitting, I guess, uh, just to be reflective of this week's episode. Um, so, all right. So I guess that's going to do it for our discussion. But let's find out what our listeners had to say about American Dreamer. OK, so uh, we have a tweet from at Mark HBPWM who said, I'm the furthest thing in the world from a fashionable guy. But can we talk about Alex's atrocious sweater? I know it was partly a personal ad aimed at Kelly. Uh, but come on. Also, Alex dro- uh, also Carr dropped an actual S-bomb on broadcast TV. I guess now it's hope, hope. So, okay, I guess we could break this down really quickly. Um, Alex's sweater, did you have any problems with it? You know what? I didn't notice it. So now, like, I immediately want to go back and watch the episode and be like, how bad is this sweater? So obviously, we're not in uh, Lena Gray sweater territory. (laughs) No. But it didn't didn't stand out to me as being so bad that I even remembered what it looked like i thought it was nice i i thought she looked fine so i i i would disagree with you on that mark i don't think it was (laughs) atrocious i thought it was a nice sweater um so the s-bomb do you have any thoughts on that yeah i mean i guess it didn't really stand out to me in any particular way i don't feel like we get Kara 
cursing that often. So I feel like it sh- maybe it should have been more memorable for me, but it, it just wasn't. To me, it sounded like she said shoot. But in the captioning, it does say the S word in there. Uh, I I know that Kara has said hell a couple of times, like, you know, kind of like a what the hell kind of a, a context. And she even said it in this episode. So I, I think there there is something to, you know, the fact that she sometimes uses language that's not, you know, uh, prudish language, I guess you could say. But... I do think the S-bomb might have been a little out of character. Um, And here's my justification for it, because I think this ties into Kara's character and her uh, her love of classic film. Uh, so this this is why I would uh, argue for her not using the S uh, the S bomb is that uh, I read on uh, Fred Astaire's IMDB page a while back that his his view of modern movies uh, in back back in those days that probably would have been around the 70s 80s because he died in the 80s um, he remarked that those movies then tended to over do the vulgarity and he didn't like that the movies of that day would cuss a lot because in classic film there were some restrictions put on it and it was a little uh it was a little uh what's the word um they they didn't have a lot of that stuff they didn't have cussing they didn't have overtly sexual things they didn't have a lot of violence um and so i think the fact that Kara watches those movies would not then lend herself to saying the S word. So character-wise, I don't think it makes a lot of sense, uh, in my opinion. But I'm just going to go with the fact that she just said shoot. That uh, that lines up with, with me. Um, at SL Fricky said, uh, didn't the details Dreamer revealed about herself kind of make finding out her identity much easier? Especially if they did facial recognition on a photo of her with that not very concealing mask. Also, Kara, tell Lena the truth now. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I thought the same thing. I was thinking about like how um, how crazy people can be on the internet. And just like a couple of those details where I was like, ooh, they could like you know, find out some of you, like put some of that stuff in search engines and kind of search you out and find you like you gave a little maybe you gave a little bit too many identifying details about yourself. If you if you ever want to know how smart the Internet is, uh, uh, either either um, do an Internet search or YouTube search on uh, how 4chan found uh, Shia LaBeouf's He Will Not Divide Us flag it is one of the funniest stories I've ever heard uh, because the 4chan people kept uh, locating where Shia LaBeouf tried to move his little art project, his little He Will Not Divide Us art project that he had in, he had in New York City and people were like um, trolling it a little bit. So he moved it into these secret locations. <laughs> and so people on the internet were like finding them and going to get this flag that he had put up. It was like capture the flag for the internet. And at one point at the very end, he uh, Shia LaBeouf like puts it in this like... <laughs> no name town i think somewhere in tennessee like out in the middle of nowhere and all the shot was he did a live stream of this flag and it was just a live stream of this white flag up in the sky it was just a blue sky that's all you saw in the the video and the people on 4chan found it and they went and they took the flag and they they stole it yeah you can't get anything all over people on the internet the internet in case you haven't noticed is 
just a a terrifying black void and like <laughs> i i would i wouldn't want to be feeding my identifying information into it if i was like trying to hide my secret identity like i've seen i've watched enough of these like like have you ever seen like these like, kind of crime shows where they have i i think that they're calling them uh, very generously now like citizen sleuths and stuff like that but it's like people who were like oh well i looked in and i saw that like there was only five um, five uh, john smiths in 1984 and this one had that same model convertible and you're like what (laughs) how did you what how could you and like this we're talking about like if people can figure out like old information like start to track down the golden state killer like they can find out that you're talking about yeah who dreamer is like i was like i was immediately like girl no (laughs) (laughs) don't please if those people on 4chan could find shia labeouf's flag in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, just by listening to uh, airplane noises and wind <laughs> patterns, they can figure out who Dreamer is. It's like, listen, in a world where 4chan exists, you don't want to give anybody any identifying <laughs> information. <laughs> they, it is that is a that, that place is dark and full of <laughs> and full of terrors. Oh, it's so funny though. Uh, um, so uh, we have a tweet from at Electra WWF who said, just a few thoughts. Uh, why do Nia's powers look like Green Lantern constructs? Good, good question. Yeah. Uh, looks like Franklin the Dryad is James's new neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess Carr is using Nia to take over TV stations to preach hope instead of doing it herself this season. It's a new strategy. It is. Listen, uh, any way that you can get on TV. <laughs> uh, at uh, Corey Alina, uh, Alina said, I loved getting to see such a dreamer-centric episode with the American Woman song during the bar fight and the TV interview uh, that made me cry it really warmed my heart and then like a little heart uh seeing episodes (laughs) like this like this is so amazing to me as a trans woman it makes me love the show even more um at patty mellow 20 said what a great episode this back half of the season has been really consistent nia's interview made me cry and then lena made me cry even more i have no more tears left uh i can't believe there was someone actually living under their desk at catco james is starting a movement (laughs) (laughs) yes he is i don't know if it's good movement but it's happening Uh, at uh, KVidiCat53 um, said, really like the Carolina stuff. Nia as a hero, but even better as an inspiration and with a message of hope. I like seeing Kara have to be sneaky super with lots of freeze breath. Then there was the James storyline. Yawn Z. Good episode apart from his bits. Um, at Chris Fonzelinski said, I loved, loved Carr doing investigative journalism, especially when Lena teamed up to help. James's storyline, though, why did we why did they have to give him powers sigh roll eyes the ptsd storyline would have been just as compelling without superpowers i agree with that i agree i think that there was a lot of interesting stuff that they could have gone without giving like does everybody need to have superpowers (laughs) i don't think that they do i don't think that they do um at walt 658 said is it me or is lockwood becoming very hitler-like in his treatment of aliens uh also i think his son is going to blame him for his mother's death and start to help aliens uh finally what do you think lockwood would have done if he'd found out his wife was an alien that's a good question i feel like lockwood is very much an uh i'm the exception kind of person 
I do, I don't feel like he's got like a like a pure like a pure thing. I think that self interest is a lot of what's driving his motivations. Um, so I feel like if he found out his uh, his wife was an alien, he'd be like, no, no, she's the she's a good one. He probably wouldn't have told anybody, and he probably would have kept it on the down low and still tried to protect her, even if she was an alien. Yeah, I I agree with that. At Brandon J Miller said, I liked it a lot. Nia Nall needs to be a main character for next season of Supergirl. They need to make at least one episode where she fights a magical villain like Cersei who turns her into a baby, but she still has all her same powers. I like your thought process on this, um, but if anybody is going to be a super baby on Supergirl, it's got to be Kara. Because in the Silver Age, Superman and Supergirl were turned into babies, into super babies all the time. And so if they're going to do a super baby on this show... It needs to be Kara. I'm sorry. That's just how I feel about it. It's a hot take. But that's, <laughs> that, those are my opinions. What if we have like the um, like the Muppet Babies <gasps> episode of Supergirl and everyone is a super baby? That changes things. Then I would allow that for other people. That changes the calculus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If, that is, if we go Muppet Babies, I will allow other people to be a super baby. But if there's only one super baby, it needs to be a super baby baby i'm just putting this out here but we're always available to consult on. <laughs> we have a lot of good ideas only only some of them involve muppets <laughs> i mean okay a lot of them involve muppets <laughs> that is so funny yes i would take a muppet baby version of supergirl all right well we got some emails so greg h wrote in to ask the question is it just me or do we finally know the name of the dive bar Mel's Dive Bar, unquote. Um, Greg H., I think it's actually called Al's Dive Bar, like uh, uh, Al, like, um, what's his face? Who does all the parodies? Uh, uh, oh, my God, why can't I remember it now? Why, why can we never think of what we want to say? Weird, uh, weird Al. Weird Al, the weird one. I was, uh, You know what's funnier is I was about to call him Strange Al. <laughs> <laughs> which is maybe like when he doesn't want to be recognized that's like the name he gives hotels <laughs> it's me it's me strange al <laughs> and they're all like yes that checks out um daryl sent in an email oh uh-oh i scrolled up too fast on the document Things are happening. Okay. Daryl sent in an email about Lena and Kara's friendship, writing, Lena Car calling Kara out for abandoning her was satisfying for me because I think Kara takes for granted the fact that Lena has incredibly few friends in National City, and her friendship with Kara is her foundation on the show. Uh, she wouldn't have to have the very few friends she does have if not for Kara. There's also the fact that Lena still thinks Supergirl judges her based on her last name, which Supergirl should definitely make right because that is just wrong that she is still letting Lena have that mindset. That's true. Like, like Kara has an inside track on like what Lena thinks Supergirl thinks. Like maybe the next time Supergirl and Lena are hanging out, Supergirl's like, hey, what up? I like you. <laughs> well we're pals and then and then like high fives are like but very gently so that she doesn't break her well alex wrote in to share some thoughts about Kara as a reporter saying quote in the previous episode we were told that Kara danvers apparently has a reputation as a noteworthy investigative journalist but you would not have guessed it from her on-air interview with dreamer her hard-hitting journalistic questions were basically how does that make you feel? And I bet your mother is so proud of you. <laughs> it felt more like a red carpet interview at a Hollywood award show. I thought Cara's next question to Dreamer was going to be, 
So who are you wearing tonight? To find out who made her dreamer costume. Uh, so Alex, the I I, th- I, r- I wrote down the actual questions that she did ask. Car uh, asks, uh, who are you? When did you come here from Nautor? And are you afraid of how the world will react to you now that they know you're an alien? And those, I think, are, you know, those are good questions. They're not, uh, she didn't really dig too deep into any of that. Yeah, there, there weren't any follow-up questions. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> well, you know, Kara, Kara and uh, Nia are not real big into follow-up questions. It, it would have been, it would have been fun if, like, the, they had, like, one of those, like, um, like, those soft filters on the interview, like a Barbara Walters, like, soft filter, <laughs> where everything's just, like, a little fuzzy, and it's like, ooh, I, I just feel so safe and warm now watching this interview, and I'm I don't know why. <laughs> uh, Emily sent us an email writing, I liked the Nia interview, but the uh, but the appeal they were trying to make that Nia is both human and alien only works if American society is inclusive. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I can't say this word for whatever reason. Inclusivist. 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 Oh, man. Uh, I that's something I didn't know I couldn't pronounce. Uh, <laughs> and I don't believe we are as a whole. We lean toward if you are even partly fill in the blank, then you don't belong. Sad, but true. I don't know how you feel about this, Morgan, but part of me, if if we're talking about uh, inclusivist, as in uh, accepting other people and their different backgrounds and, and what they believe and what they think, uh, that's how I'm interpreting this email, because inclusivism actually is related to actual theology and faith and belief systems. So I don't think you're using it on those terms, but you can clarify, uh, uh, Emily, if that is incorrect. But I think uh, America is a pretty inclusive country. The founding is based on, you know, all men are created equal. And I think in my experience, in a way, uh, people are very uh, accepting of each other and willing to get along. And we live in a mostly tolerant society. There's some bad things that happen. Sometimes there are some tragic things that happen. But I think on the whole, we are we are a country of inclusion and acceptance. And uh, I think the only reason that I would think maybe that was not the case is if I only depended on Twitter for that information, because Twitter is a place where we are all, you know, myself included, I I tried to, you know, branch out and follow other people I don't agree with. But sometimes on Twitter and social media, you surround yourself. And I say you as in a, a general you as a as a as a uh, everybody you, uh, sometimes we put ourselves in bubbles. And so we we don't uh, want to seek out people who don't believe the same things that we do. So I don't know, that is, that's kind of a long-winded response to that email, just because I feel like America is not given the proper credit of being a country that is, is willing to take people in and, and willing to accept people. So uh, that's just my... Uh, patriotic hot take <laughs> of this week's Supergirl Radio. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that social media is um, scary sometimes, and uh, <laughs> and can bring out our worst attributes as well as some of our best attributes. So I feel like it is as is most things a double edged sword, and I feel like that's kind of. I mean, I feel like kind of everything is a is a double edged sword. I can see what um, I can see what they're saying. Like it, you know, if you are living as a a person with a marginalized identity, I think that you probably have a different perspective on um, how inclusive um, how inclusive things can be. 
um, because you probably are seeing a different side and maybe like a darker side. And I think that the great thing uh, that I think is that a lot of people are trying to be better and trying to make things more inclusive and and more um, a little bit better in that perspective. And I think because we do have that, you know, all men are created equal, but uh, I mean, obviously that hasn't always been the case and probably still isn't the case, but I think that that's what we're trying to work towards uh, as a society. I think that's, I think that uh, my, my America hot take is that uh, we haven't always done what we say we believe. uh, But I think that we have that we have that belief and we want to work towards it. Um, we don't always get it. Uh, a lot of times we don't get it. Uh, so I think maybe that's sort of what she's talking about, but I think that that ideal is something that is, is very, is very powerful and that people are, are trying for. And also like, God, Twitter is, is a terrible place sometimes. Just sometimes I have to put down my phone and just like walk outside and like look at a bird. And I'm just like, God, this bird is so much better than I want this. Tw- this is the tweet I want in my life. The, t- the tweet of this simple bird. <laughs> listen, listen, 2019 America is hard and I just I just love birds. <laughs> well, uh, I wish I could play a live version of a Philip Sue of March uh, because America is awesome. And I just I just want it to be said. All right. Well, this next email is a little bit long, but stay with me because it's awesome. Okay. Danae wrote in to help us understand the key cipher that Lena used at the end of uh, this week's episode. So when uh, Lena figures out that it's Kaznia, that's this is this is what she's talking about. So Danae writes, quote, I was wondering how the double breasted interrupted key cipher worked, but I couldn't find anything online. Luckily, my friend Nat helped me out this afternoon. I don't know if you already figured it out, Rebecca, uh, since you like deciphering kryptonese. I do. But in case anyone wants to know, this is how it works. Okay, so Danae is helping us understand the uh, key cipher. This is amazing. The first step is you take the alphabet and split up uh, split it into vowels and consonants. So you get A E I O U and then B C D F G H J K L M N P Q R S T V W X Y Z. So if you if you've got a notepad, write all of that down. So then the second step is to decipher a letter. It has to be on the mirroring side of your list. I have a really stupid joke that I just feel so compelled. Uh, at the end, you get drink more Ovaltine. Okay, and we're back. And we're back. I'm sorry. <laughs> a Christmas story reference. All right. So the third step is so uh, so explaining the mirroring side of your list. So like B is the first letter of your list of consonants. So for decoding, you have to replace it with the last one, which is the Z in the other side. So the fourth step is the R is well, this is another example. So like the R is eight spots away from the bottom of the list and eight spots away from the top is the K. And the U is fi- is final on the list of vowels. So you replace it with the first vowel, which is A. The I and N on both of the middle of both of those lists, which means they are equal amount away from the top and the bottom of the list, so they don't change. So that's how you get Rubnio, R-U-B-N-I-U, to become Kaznia, which is K-A-Z-N-I-A. So, Danae, oh, thank my you God. <laughs> for that explanation, because I actually did look it up and I tried to figure out how that worked. And you saved me some time. I appreciate it. That is the coolest thing. And I feel like we are all uh, Dan Brown characters now. <laughs> and we've all gone through that journey together. 
Oh, amazing. Um, Gina sent us an email with some thoughts on the Carolina conflict writing. I'm really glad the writers brought up about Lena's feelings as a whole. Um, we saw the frustration on, on trying to get Lex's machine to help James, but it really has been a while since we've seen Lena and Kara interact, and Lena actually noticed. I enjoyed both the conflict and the resolution. It was nice to see Lena be honest with Kara, though I know maybe that was the opportunity for Kara to be honest with Lena uh, about her feelings and what she was going through and how she had helped Lex. Uh, Lannis asks uh, in an email, we hear that Nia is from Gryffindor in this episode, so she is part of the uh she has sorted herself into gryffindor and uh alana says but i would like to know what house you think these characters belong to so alana gave us a list of characters that we need to sort into harry potter hogwarts houses morgan nice we are experts on this we've done this before (laughs) (laughs) so uh let's go down the list so starting with brainy who would you where would you put him in the hogwarts houses i mean brainy's got to be a Ravenclaw, right? Definitely a Ravenclaw, known for their intellect. Uh, Ben Lockwood. I mean, straight up Slytherin. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Big time. He's got ambition. Wouldn't it be like a twist if I was like Hufflepuff? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he is loyal. He's loyal to the the human race, so you could justify it there. But I'm with you, Slytherin, all the way. He's ambitious. He's shrewd. He's maybe a strong leader. I don't know. Sometimes he's kind of a... a cowardly guy, but for the most part, he's he's been a leader. And maybe there is, you could all, uh, Slytherins are also known for being big on blood purity. So you could maybe make a case for that with his character. Uh, so definitely Slytherin. Uh, Kelly, where would you sort her? Hmm. So for me, Kelly is like a Gryffindor Ravenclaw mix mm. because I feel like she's very like analytical and like thoughtful and she's like thinking out all the different, like all the different angles. So I feel like she's maybe maybe Ravenclaw for me. I would put her in Gryffindor. She has served in the military, and uh, she volunteered to bravely go into James's mind palace. So uh, I think she's uh, brave and cu- uh, courageous. So I would put her in Gryffindor. All right. So Eve Tessmacher, where would you put her? <laughs> um, I feel like she's a Slytherin uh, because I think for Eve, like the ends justify the means. Like she didn't mind like playing Lena like a fiddle because it got <laughs> her to what she wanted. <laughs> true, true. Good point. Uh, I would put her in Hufflepuff because she's hardworking and uh, she's very loyal to Lex. That's true. Otis, where would you put Otis Graves? I think Otis is a Hufflepuff. Mm, yes. I think he's like he's working hard and you know he's just trying to collect his paycheck and not get uh, blown up. <laughs> <laughs> I would also put him in Hufflepuff. I think the 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 Luther minions uh, uh, for me, they both belong in Hufflepuff. All right, so this is a tough one. Red daughter. Where would you put Red daughter? That's an interesting one. I think that she's hmm. I think that she's a Gryffindor. I think that she's um, str- like brave and that she's willing to, um, you know, sort of run in and, and save people. And maybe sometimes not always with all the information that she needs. Sometimes she uh, I think maybe she is like the dark side of Gryffindor where they're, you know, willing to run in and uh, and do stuff and maybe not get all the, the data that she needs, which is um, that Lex is, is not a great guy. <laughs> so maybe her 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 bad qualities you think are just uh, Lex Luthor manipulating her? I think so because she seems she seems very like 
nice otherwise, other than, you know, the destruction of the White House. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, murdering people. And all that murder. I mean, the murder is definitely not a good thing. <laughs> it's just not great. Uh, I could see going in the ways of sorting her in Gryffindor because she does have a lot of Kara's attributes and and her traits and and especially her bravery, wanting to protect little Mikhail uh, and having that fierce uh, bravery to protect him and his family. And so I can see that. Uh, but I think I would put her in Slytherin because, uh, according to Albus Dumbledore, Slytherins have a certain disregard for the rules. Uh, and so I think that Red Daughter has broken a few of those rules uh, in, in terms of, you know, being a little bit of a spy with her Linda Lee uh, uh, disguise, her breaking into the White House and uh, committing an act of terrorism. So I'm going to put her in Slytherin. All right. So the last one is Mackenzie, the cat co reporter who goes to work and does her job. Where would you, <laughs> where would you sort Mackenzie? I mean, I'm not sure that Catco knows what to do with her. She's <laughs> such a wild card. <laughs> what, are you do- what are you doing showing up every day and asking to pitch stories to me? Um, I think Mackenzie might be, hmm, Mackenzie. Mm, I feel like she's either a Slytherin or a Ravenclaw, but I feel like she's like a little bit mean. So I'm going to go Slytherin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was mean to Franklin. Yeah, not nice to Franklin. You're not a Ravenclaw. <laughs> she does have her downsides. I would put her in Slytherin, mostly for the trait of ambition. I think Mackenzie is very ambitious, so I would put her in Slytherin. So that is our sorting for this episode. If you have other characters you would like <laughs> us to sort, uh, feel free to let us know. Yeah, we're, we, we're really good at it now. <laughs> <laughs> We've done this a lot. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Abby writes, due to Lena's emotional uh, emotional stress lately, I'm going to forgive her for being an outfit repeater. Uh-oh. I, uh-oh. Oh, Abby is bringing it. <laughs> I, know th- I know the last time I accused her of this, I was wrong and scolded. But I have proof this time. <laughs> she is well, Abby. Abby coming through with receipts. She is wearing <laughs> the same plaid pants, but instead of wearing a white shirt, she is wearing a black shirt. I've been loving the darker colors and suit wardrobe lately. Um, and then we have these images, her receipts, basically. And it, I think I think Abby is right. I'm yes. not, we can't scold her this time. <laughs> I think she is 100% correct. I think that Lena, for the first time maybe in her entire life, has repeated an item of clothing. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And uh, uh, those are very powerful pants. So I feel like if you're going to repeat an item of clothing, it's not going to be the sweater. Uh, those pants are a pretty good, uh, pretty good candidate. I like those plaid pants, and I, I'm not going to uh, look down at Lena Luther for wearing those plaid pants. They look nice. They look like they could be comfortable, and yeah. I, I think it's a, a practical piece of her wardrobe that she could use a lot. And I think it's smart of her to just switch out tops. You know, make make it work. You know, accessorize and and change it up a little bit. So I I'm okay with it. I think you know Lena Luther probably is a very wealthy woman, and she should never ha- 
have to repeat uh, any <laughs> outfits because she could just buy a new outfit every day and it wouldn't be a big deal. But maybe she's trying to put that money that, you know, to something else. And maybe she's using it for other purposes. So, you know, maybe she's just very thrifty at this point in her life. I think this season she's been using a lot of that money to, to buy closed-toed shoes for the lab and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I am tired of breaking all these poisonous chemicals on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> And this has been Lena Luther, Boardroom or Ballroom? Well, and we have some follow-up feedback from last week's Supergirl Radio. Uh, The first is from Elaine, who wrote us an email to clear up some technical details on the Anastasia movie. (laughs) Writing, quote, quote, yes, the animated Anastasia was not a Disney production when it originally debuted. Fox Entertainment produced it. However, since Disney currently owns most Fox properties, Anastasia is technically a Disney princess now. One day, also, Disney will probably take over the world and even own the universe. But that time has not come yet, unquote. (laughs) Uh, So I guess what this email is saying is that we were both right. I I think so. I think we were. And I think that... um, I agree with her. At some point, Disney's going to own this podcast, I think. (laughs) (laughs) We will be taken by the evil Disney uh, mouse ear overlords. We love Mickey Mouse. I just want to put that out there right now. I love Mickey Mouse. I love what he's doing. I I have nothing against Mickey. Mickey, please be a benevolent ruler. (laughs) (laughs) So afraid of Mickey. So, new Rachel wrote in to address something from our episode discussion on crime and punishment. Rachel writes, someone questioned Brainy not knowing things about the present day when he should because he's from the future. However, it was established in uh, Season 3, Episode 10, that there was a massive loss of information about the past sometime between the 21st and 31st centuries, which was why Monel, as inadequate of a teacher as he might be, <laughs> had to do <laughs> such a... Such a burn. Um, <laughs> had to teach them about present day culture and history. So Brainy being uncertain is understandable. Although in uh, season four, episode two, he did say that based on his calculations, the current crisis did not deeply impact Earth. So maybe he just packed so much away in boxes that even he forgets what he should know. Uh, well, Courtney sent in some thoughts about car adjusting to Earth uh, that we had talked about last week. Uh, Courtney writes, in season, uh, quote, in season one, I believe she said that they didn't have birds on Krypton and she was staring at birds in the flashback at the beach. There is also the time Alex saved her from the popcorn maker. <laughs> I forgot what season it was in, but I can see that Takara with her super hearing, it could have been really loud and probably reminded her of Krypton exploding. She even mentioned that Alex sprinkled it with little white crystals instead of calling it salt. So there are those oddball adjustments she had to make. Though I wouldn't be opposed to more flashbacks of just everyday life for the younger Danvers sisters. One more thing is that they that it might have been really ingrained in her to not stand out like a normal human, especially after Jeremiah went away and then, quote, died. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, Jeremiah. Carl <laughs> wouldn't have a Kellex in her apartment. 
Besides it being hard to hide one, she seemed a little surprised to see one in the fortress and probably didn't know there were any on Earth. That was the first time visiting, even though Clark invited her many times. Despite the fact she destroyed his Kellex, she wasn't going <laughs> to go about taking it from the fortress for herself, unquote. Um, so, yeah, those are some good reminders of some of those little aspects of Kara adjusting to Earth. Yeah, although I think it would have been really hilarious if she, like, upon first visiting the fortress was like, oh, cool, robot, it's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> Clark was like, this is why I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> Um, our final email comes from Susan, who writes, Thinking about what you said during the podcast about the mind wipe no longer seeming relevant to the show and watching this week, I realized it is that the Alex Carr relationship that has disappeared entirely from the show. Uh, initially, I thought the mind wipe presented interesting potential. What would Alex be like towards Supergirl if she didn't remember her sister was an alien? How will Carr deal with not being t- Alex's top priority? But as you observed, they followed that path for a little while, then dropped it. But a Along the way, they also seem to have dropped any real interaction between Alex and Kara. It is as if they think they also wiped from the minds of the audience that their relationship is the heart of the show. Instead, we get Lena and Alex, and Alex and Kelly, and Supergirl and Alex, and Kara and Lena, and Kara and Nia, and Nia and Brainy, and James <laughs> and Kelly. Uh, I really hope they clean up the mess they have made by the end of the season. I'm counting on a tearful couch reunion in the last episode when Alex finally gets her memory back. Curious what you think the chances of that happening are. Uh, I mean, I guess the question is, do we think that Alex will get her memories by the end of the season? I feel like she's got to get her memories back by the end of the season. Like, they're not, I I, I feel like a broken record, so I'm going to not get too into it. But they're not even using the mind wipe for any interesting storytelling um, avenues. So why even have, like, why have it continuing into season five? That's, I don't think that that makes much sense. Well, even revealing it at the end of the season will... I don't maybe maybe they'll be doing something in these last couple of episodes that will really bring it back into play but if they if they don't do anything now I mean that it's not going to really make an impact to me personally if oh she gets her memory back and it's this big emotional thing but like nobody really cared before that yeah nobody didn't care for nobody cared for episodes at a time <laughs> I mean Car and Alex weren't even in a scene together in this episode yeah like Alex briefly mentions like having a sister uh, to Kelly <laughs> and I was like oh that's right you have a sister <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's I mean it's to the point where like I don't remember the last really good Alex and Kara scene that we had. It's been a little, it's been a little while. Yeah. Cause it's been mostly Alex interacting with Supergirl. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we saw Alex and Kara when James got shot, but they were uh, like at odds with each other because obviously Kara couldn't be like, I'm out Supergirling. And so uh, we did see a little bit of the repercussions of the mind wipe there, but not to a point uh, a point where I think that, like, it needs to keep happening if they're just going to keep, like, putting it in the background. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully, hopefully good things are coming about the, this Mind Wipe storyline. Let's get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we have a voicemail from Mauricio. Hello, Supergirl Radio. Mauricio here again with another Supergirl Radio voice call-in. So, awesome episode today. It was so weird seeing Penn Lockwood saying Dreamer in such a serious acting. I'm like, this is so cringy, but so amazing. I love Supergirl. And once again, it's another episode of once of forcing in social politics and all that with the Dreamer interview. I was like, it was interesting, but like, this is so weird. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad or anything. It's just so strange. But anyways, 
Um, quick question. Um, now that we're almost done with the season, I just realized we only have a few episodes left. Um, with the Lex stuff, do you think Lex is doing this on purpose, or is his biggest downfall is leading too many clues to get catch? Because I'm like, this is really intentional Lex to being caught or something. Well, I'm like, yeah. Sorry if my question's not making sense or something. But anyways, take care until I hear the podcast. Bye. And Mauricio asks, uh, do we think that Lex is being careless and leaving too many clues to be uh, to uh, to end up with him being captured? Or is he doing this on purpose so that they will find him? Do you have any thoughts on that? That's an interesting one. I don't know. I mean, because I feel like it depends. We don't know. We don't know that much about this Lex. He does seem like he's pretty, pretty smart uh, and is always like... 10 steps ahead of everybody. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's doing it on purpose. Maybe he is doing it on purpose. Maybe he wants to get Supergirl to, to Cosnia and have like a, a battle royale with, uh, with Cosnia and Supergirl. That could be the case. Maybe he is trying to uh, lure Supergirl in so that Red Daughter will somehow kill her and take her out so that Red Daughter is the only Supergirl on Earth. I could see that being a thing that Alex, Alex Luthor might want to do. So I would lean into he's 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 trying to get them to come find him, but who knows? Maybe Lena's just a lot smarter. We do know that she is better at playing chess than he is, so maybe this is her uh, moving uh, a little farther ahead on the chessboard. Uh, so before we wrap up our feedback, we have some Snap Judgments sent in by our listeners. In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Our first set of Snap Judgments are from Stu. Um, he says... Jeremiah Danvers returns this season or Helen Slater reprises her version of Supergirl in Crisis on Infinite Earths next season. I would not want Jeremiah Danvers to come back this season because there aren't that many episodes left and it wouldn't have a lot of weight to it. So I'm going to pick Helen Slater reprises her version of Supergirl in Crisis on Infinite Earths next season. Yeah, I'm going to do Helen Slater. Although, I just thought wouldn't it be funny if like Jeremiah Danvers is like, I finally got back and Alex is like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> like the mind wipe has accidentally like wiped out Jeremiah from her memory. <laughs> oh, no. oh, that would be the best. And then he has to, do- he just like slinks away. He's <laughs> like, I-, I really thought you had been looking for me and you were never going to give up. <laughs> Uh, so our next set of uh, snap judgments come from Danae. Uh, who is better at giving speeches of hope, Supergirl or Dreamer? I'm going to go Supergirl on this. Supergirl can certainly pack in more hope per capita. <laughs> so I'm Supergirl too. Um, who had the better mind palace, Kara or James? I, I liked Kara's better. Yeah, me too. It I had gotta go. Well, there there was a cat in Kara's, so obviously it wins. <laughs> Um, okay, let's say James now has to wear lead-lined glasses to get used to his powers, like Kara did when she arrived on Earth. Will Lena tell him that those glasses are so last year's look, or not recognize who he is with glasses on and throw him out of the Catco building? Can I just say that that would be a real problem for him, as that's where he lives? <laughs> uh, I like not recognize who he is with glasses on and throw him out of the Catco building. Oh, yeah. She would definitely be so confused. Who is this tall stranger? 
how did you get in here, sir? Uh, <laughs> our next snap judgment comes from Alanis, who says, what inspirational speech do you prefer? Nia's, Kara's, or Kat's? Oh, throwing Kat in, in the mix here is an interesting take. I, I'm going to go Kat. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Kat, too. Um, so our next, uh, our next snap judgment is from Abby. Uh, Lena drinking scotch and, sco- and sulking or Kara eating Big Belly Burger and being confused. Kara uh, eating Big Belly Burger and being confused. I got to go uh, that scotch and that sulking because <laughs> she, she really rocks a good sweatshirt. She seems cozy, but also mad. <laughs> she makes good decisions afterwards, too. Like uh, they involve leather jackets and like a little light murder. So <laughs> listen, Lena drinking scotch, you're in for a night. You're going to have a good story afterwards. <laughs> Uh, okay, and I think our last set of snap judgments uh, come from Gina. Uh, cape tricks or coat tricks? Uh, coat tricks. Ooh, I'm going to go cape tricks. All right. Oh, this is this is a, a real snap judgment. Oh. Edna from HR or Pam from HR? Mm. Mm. I liked Edna from HR. I thought she she seemed nice. She seemed very brave. But I'm going to go with Pam from HR. She's a legend. I think the mystery of Pam, really, <laughs> I mean, is why I have to choose her. I need to know so much more about Pam, and we only get little tidbits. <laughs> we saw her that one time when she went after Wynn at the, at the DEO. But there's so much we don't know about her. No judgments on your snap judgments. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on American Dreamer. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. And uh, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. And make sure you do that when you send in feedback. Make sure you do it before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That helps us out a lot. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeart radio spotify radio public and Podchaser, pretty much anywhere you get podcasts and we are listed on dc's fan page which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc dash fans and we are also available on apple podcasts and stitcher radio so if you have some time we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review and you can find all of those links that we have mentioned here on the uh on the website at supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page and now we're going to throw it over to richard for the dc tv plugs Yes, this is the Macho Man Randy Savage, and I'm here to tell you that Supergirl Radio is a part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you like other shows on their network, like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Batwoman, Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Stargirl, and don't forget the classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to all this on DC TV Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter, and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. Oh, yeah! Dig it! Well, you can find me on Twitter at DerbyKid, at least for now. Uh, I've got a couple of months left uh, <laughs> before my... Uh, the big 24 clock is continuing to tick down. <laughs> the self-imposed Twitter deletion. 
Uh, so you can check me out there if you'd like. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at the Derby Kid. Uh, I also voice a character named Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. That's Fakest with an I. Uh, season two of The Fakest drops this Sunday. And uh, my character Leanne has a new job at KCOM Studios. So this is a big Big season for Leanne, uh, so there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, I just want to give a, t- a little teaser, a little spoiler, uh, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, Boy Sitters Club. Ooh, that's all I'm gonna put out there, and you're gonna have to listen to season two to find out what that's all about. Uh, so the fakest is coming back, and it's very exciting. Uh, I am also a contributor to Justice League Universe podcast. We are working on a Shazam review right now. So if you liked Shazam and want to learn more about it and hear some more discussion on it, uh, check out Justice League Universe podcast. Um, and you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, I'm also a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Um if you've been enjoying that show and watching that, we are discussing it now because it's back. It was gone for a really long time, and I, I know you might have forgotten about it, but <laughs> we've been here this whole time, just waiting, <laughs> just biding our time. Uh, so we are—it's—it's it's kind of weird to be doing Legends uh, podcasts weekly again after like three months of of being off and just like having time to just really contemplate the show. <laughs> I spent that entire time just thinking about Legends. Don't worry, you guys. We, we definitely didn't forget when it came back. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just like a little plug, but my uh, a friend of mine, Andrea Towers, actually wrote a book uh, called Geek Girls Don't Cry, and it's got a, a, a whole section on Supergirl uh, that's mostly talking about the TV show. Uh, so that's pretty cool. It's all about um, different geek uh, female characters and how they handle uh, mental health issues, and it's very very neat. So I wanted to. I figured it's a good it's a good tie in, and also I, I like it when my friends uh, publish books. That's pretty cool. That's very interesting. Well, uh, everybody should go check that out. Well, I think that's going to do it for our episode on American Dreamer. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And if you're curious, like Dreamer, I am also a Gryffindor. And unlike Dreamer, my Patronus is a sloth. <laughs>